and there we go. We're on episode seven of Friday Night Counterattack. It's our first episode since playing football at Friday night, which has been fantastic. And Arif and Vish were there with me and we had a fun time. Arif isn't here today, so he won't be able to get to discuss it. Arif's still recovering, that's why. Nah, I'm joking, man. Uh, football was fantastic, man. It was one of the best games I've ever played in. Yeah, we played three games and we, we play up to 10. So the first team up to 10 and I was on Aris team and um, we won the first game convincingly um, and then we lost the second game convincingly and then the final game, it was just, it was just crazy. Like it was, we were winning 9-5, I believe. And nine, four, we literally... 9-9. Nine, nine. Yeah, it was something like that and we literally needed one more goal and for some reason, like, it was just a lot of pressure on us and we just couldn't get that one goal. We just couldn't score. And then the opposite team, obviously Hamza, you were on that team and you just brought it back and it was 9-9. And, oh, God, when when Elliot scored that final goal, that was such a relief, man. Such mm. a relief. And to play that kind of game after five weeks out, it was crazy. It was crazy. Such a good feeling. I mean, I wouldn't... I don't know what else I'll be doing like on a Friday night without football. Um, obviously we've had locked, we've had lockdown, but it's been it's been a hard lockdown. Um, not playing football on a Friday night, so it's good to get going again. And you know, can't wait for this Friday. I'm hoping you know we have a few members. Saf maybe returning. Raheel maybe. Uh, Hamza, you again. Um, Arif should be there. And uh, Sal, where, where are you, man? Sal's so talking Bradford, man. He's an international ground. Just got his haircut from his barber. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, all in all, it was a good, 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 good Friday night, man. Good. It's good to be back and seeing everyone as, as well. Again, it was just nice to see everyone. That's what I enjoyed the most, the fact we've been playing for months and then it stops, play again, then it stops and just playing again. Yeah. Which is nice. It's worth, it worth coming back and seeing everyone. But again... We've had another busy week of football and we're just going to have a, a relax in December just so for all of our listeners. So if you're not expecting the most amazing content because we've all had a tough year, everyone needs to have a little breather and we're all just going to be talking about simple, basic things and we're just going to take it easy. And I'm definitely going to take it easy this December. Again, the whole point is to support your family and friends and mental health aspects. And that's what the podcast is about. Speaking of easy, Rahil wanted to discuss something regarding a certain Manchester United player. So, Rahil, take it away. Yeah, and no, I just, uh, obviously, as you all know, Mina Raiola, Paul Pogba's agent, the kind of stuff he loves to come out with. And obviously, the day before, you know, his biggest game of the season, he's come out and he said, Paul Pogba's done at Manchester United and he won't be playing for them for long, this and that. And it's just, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty much annoying, man, because it's just a regular occurrence now and you're just thinking, if Paul Pogba was so good, I'll be honest with you, I think he's a good player or he has potential to become a brilliant player, but he doesn't showcase it enough for me. And let's be honest, if Paul Pogba was really this good and a world beater and so consistent, why has nobody come in for Paul Pogba yet at Manchester United? We all know the relationship between him and Manchester United, whether it was Mourinho and obviously with his agent now, we know Paul Pogba has been trading on thin ice for quite some time now. So think about it really and truly. If Pogba was so good, why has he not been bought yet? Why has no other club come in and put a, put an offer on the table to take him? Or you haven't even heard really 
any sources come out and say there's a club interested in him or there's talks going on or anything like that. It's like him and his agent have built Pogba up to be like one of the greatest players to ever touch the football, which is far from the truth. <laughs> do, do you reckon? Do you reckon he'll go to Madrid though? But the truth is, are Real Madrid willing to come in and pay the money for him? Because nobody That's seems to come in. Everyone's saying PSG, Madrid, or there's even some people are saying Manchester City would want him. But let's let's be honest. If if he was really in demand, and obviously everybody knows the relationship hasn't been good, don't you think somebody would have come in by now? And United would have been accepted an offer. Let's be honest. So I just think him and his agent need to calm down a bit. Yeah, that's fine. He just want to play for Man United. Let him run down his contract. Obviously, it'll affect us in the long run, having paid 80 million for him and letting him leave on a free. But I think that's what other clubs are just waiting for as well. But if he really was that good, a club would just come in straight away and pay for him. It's like Liverpool situation with Thiago. He had like six months, I think, or a year left on his contract, but they still went in about 30 million because they knew he was good mm. enough. If Pogba was mm. a similar kind of player and if he was really that good, clubs wouldn't be hesitating. They'd go in and they'd pay the money for him. I think it's just been a long period where I mean, him and his agent to just... Do you think Real is uh, hyping it up, or what's he? What's, what do you reckon he's trying to do, though? No, but see, this, this, is, this, is, is, what, this is what confuses me a lot now. He's come out with them comments today, but Pogba's put posts up of himself on Instagram in Man United you know, training, looking happy, having banter with the lads, stuff like that. So it looks like he'll be in the squad for tomorrow's game, which just confuses me even more. Think about it. If like if I'm Paul Pogba now and my agent's coming out with remarks like that. I'm I'm gonna be living with my agent. I'm gonna make sure my agent doesn't do stuff like that. Well, not when you hear when you saw it happen with Romelu Lukaku, the fact that he was represented by Raiola, but then he joined Rock Nation afterwards. So then he went to Inter yeah. Milan and he did his own thing because he's with another agency. And you barely hear a peep out of Rock uh, Rock Nation in terms of comparing to what Raiola was saying under Pitari, under Lukaku, under Zlatan, and under Pogba when they're all at Man United. The fact that he just hypes the players up when he's at Man United because he also represents Haaland for uh, Dortmund as well. And you hear, yep. hardly hear him speak about that. Obviously, Solskjaer coached him in Norway, but the fact that he was like, oh, no, I don't really want to go for him because Raiola could have been a major factor in that as well. Probably wanted more agent fees, really. No, it's true. But like saying the best player in the world will come, come, come across to us right now and be offered to us. I'll say no. If he's represented by Mina Raiola, you know it's going to be a toxic relationship anyways. I just wouldn't bother with the guy. I don't. I don't even think the guy's got Pogba's best interests at heart. I think he's just after the money himself. It doesn't look professional at all, to be honest. Because, like, like you said, bro, he's come out just before a game, and he's making these kind of statements. And uh, it's not just before know, a game. It's probably the biggest week in Manchester United's season this week. We need to qualify uh, into the next round for the Champions League, um, and then we're playing Manchester City on Saturday. So. The frustrating thing for me is like Pogba played on Saturday and played really well. He he did his bit, and now all this you know nonsense about his agent coming out and saying rubbish about the club. Um, it's frustrating, and it hasn't only been today. It's been going on for years, and I think it's now's the time where we just you know end the relationship, Man United and Paul Pogba, because. We're just fighting on on for him for too long. Like he hasn't really delivered the goods as a player when he's had the chance. And you can't say he hasn't had the chance. He had the chance under Mourinho to 
kind of develop him himself in that team and he's had the chance under Oli and you know there's been other players that have just come in and set the ball you know just gone on and become a massive star and Bruno Fernandes is that player is that other player that I'm talking about now's the time to end that relationship um, since Sir Alex Ferguson's left which signing could you say or which three four signings could you say have gone better than Paul Pogba I know you've got Bruno Fernandes in there but since you've had so many different changes of managers changes of systems because again, it's not Lats- you always get singled out in the media, but when you look at every single other signing we've made, what else could you say about that? I could say Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a Swedish hero. Who else could we say? Who else could I'd we say? say? I'd say he was very Lukaku. Oh, I love the guy. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of a lot of fans were more concerned about his first touch uh, yeah. rather than the goals he scored. You got that. Um, yeah, I saw that in the group earlier. We've <laughs> had loads of players, man. We just need to see if we can actually get a director of football who actually does the Man United way of shocking, really. Just getting the best players for the system, not for the manager who changes every two, three years. Because, again, you get so many players from Moyes, Van Gaal, from Mourinho's era, from Swartz Ferguson's era, and they don't clear out the dead wood in time, which isn't helpful at all to anyone. But you just see so many different ways of playing football over the years for Man United. You just want to stick to the proper way of playing. Yeah, no, I was just going to add on to that and just say, obviously, it stems from the board. We know, obviously, the situation of the board right now and how long it's been going on for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just something, obviously, with no director of football, you know, we know ourselves, the right signings are not going to be bought in. And regardless of which manager they put there, they're just setting them up to fail. Let's be honest. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, they are, they are going out. And no one's saying that they're not putting the money in. But I think United's issue now is, is that they're not putting the money into the right players. Look how long we haven't had a right winger for. We've been playing Matter out wide. We've been playing Greenwood out wide. Greenwood and an actual uh, right winger. So literally, I think, even before Ferguson, when, let's be honest, when was the last natural right winger we had? And I, don't, I would even class Valencia as like a natural right winger. That was his position before he turned to right. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say he was a winger. Okay. I'd say he was definitely a winger, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And look, and look how long he's been. Valencia came in 2010. It was his first season. So it's been 10 years since we've actually signed a proper right winger. I think it all just stems from the uh, from the board. Where's the um, thing? Deluded Arif today. Arif's recovering from Friday Night Football, man. Well, is it? Yeah. He's on the treatment table. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. He's got the Canicio tape out. The one that you was... could say a thing, though. You could say Mkhitaryan was another one, maybe. Winger. Mkhitaryan wasn't a right winger. He was a cat. I don't think he was anyway. Uh, it's like Di Maria maybe well Wilfred Zaha and Depay were probably left winger I'd say yeah. and Young I don't know I'm just trying to think of who else yeah they, they, really they, work they, out. they, they literally have oh, put money on the right but yeah a right winger since Sir Alex Ferguson just let us know down below mm. but Di Maria could be on the right but Yanazai maybe oh. but that's it obviously uh, yeah, yeah, Yanazai was like a player dude. Obviously, our board don't like making the right decisions. That's why they don't buy that's, the right... There's, there's, the way that I look at it is there's, there's no director of football. I think that's what it just comes down to. Without yeah. someone making a footballing decision on which players we should bring in, I think you're just saying yourselves... You, 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 you can't say you've not spent money, though. You can't say you've not no, spent... That's, that's spent what I just said money. earlier. No, that's, that's what I just said earlier. I just said that earlier. Goes, I'm not saying we haven't spent money, but, mm. but our, our issue is money is not being spent... On the right players, like I just said, we bought in Van de Beek. Who don't get me wrong, I think he was a brilliant player at Ajax. He's probably struggling to find his feet right now, but I, I think it's looked good did, when did, he's played, did, but no, just but doesn't get did, to start. Did we really need to put forty million into 
Van der Beek. Think about it now. No. Dortmund put a 120 million price tag on Jadon Sancho. We were saying we're willing to pay 90. Surely paying 40 pounds for Van der Beek, 30 million of that could have just gone in and getting Sancho. Yeah, that's but the thing. I don't think, I don't think, there's, there's, I think it's nobody. a good signing. I think it's a good signing, yeah, but, but I think yeah, it's stacked. I think it's stacked in that yeah, position, especially with Fred, Matic, Pogba, Bruno. Then you've got that, um, what's his name, McTominay as well. There's too many people in that position. And they all like the same kind of player as well. You're not buying sort of someone that can do something yeah, extremely different. Yeah, I think different. that's what it is. Yeah, I think right, Van Beek. Yeah, you need, you, uh, Rahil said it right, so like, you got, you've, got, you've got no director of football in it. The thing is, Woodward, He's a businessman, so he's going to look at the best way to make money, but then dire- not directing the right place, the proper Manchester United way. And that's what is obviously kind of like on a downhill, um, you know, slope is doing to Manchester United because he's, he's spent the money, but he's not spending it in the right place, you know, buying yeah, but I can't, I can't see it changing. I can't see it changing for United until they change that. They're not going to win the title of Champions League until something changes there, really. Yeah, no, I said the same thing. I can't see it challenging till obviously a change is made at the top, regardless of which manager we bring in and which manager we haven't got or which one we've sacked. I think they're all pretty I mean, there. like, you know, you, I still don't think you'll get top four this season, but. So, Salim's got <laughs> a fun topic to talk about later on as well, which would be great, but Salim's got a fun little topic for everyone to talk about. So, that'll be nice. I, would have, I don't think it's quite fun. I think it's quite serious, actually. It's serious for most others, but yeah. Um, but yeah, our sixth side of the week is basically our top six players of the season that have been signed by Premier League teams, just in terms of how players have done so far this season. And for me, all I can think about is Chelsea Football Club with their signings. You look at how they've bought, they've bought properly compared to how Man United have bought in the previous years. Yeah, and no, I'd say Chelsea has won, but I think there are quite a few other players. that I'd be honest with the only public player I'd pick for Chelsea in that sixth side would be their goalkeeper, Mendy. I think he's made a massive difference coming in for Chelsea. Um, yeah, Mendy's been quality. You, you, look, you look at them at the start of this season before they got Mendy in. They were conceding goals left, right and centre against teams they should have been conceding goals to. And it was the kind of goals they were conceding as well. And I think as soon as Mendy came in, I think it was his game against Manchester United, if I'm not wrong. Mm. Um, his, his Premier League debut and he kept a clean sheet. And he did make some decent saves. And I think since then, he's just basically solidified that defence at Chelsea. So I'd, I'd, I'd personally have him as keeper. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I agree as well. Obviously, Chelsea have had their issues with their keeper. Who was his name? Kepa? He was 75 Kepa. million. It was Safian Khan. He plays at Friday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, don't even get me started on Kepa. Don't even get me started on him, man. He's a, he's a clown, bro. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. He's a clown. But the thing is, yeah, no, you... You can't start screwing up the players, yeah, if you're, uh, you know, allowing goals in, yeah, like this. Bro, I seen one um, goalie let in, yeah, he was standing there on the spot, yeah, stuck like a, I don't know, scarecrow or something like that, yeah. He dives to his right, the ball leaks straight through him, bro. What, what's he playing at? I mean, come on, you're professional, bro. You should be like, you should have like some sort of standard in it. But then he, he's deservedly, Mendy come in, changed the whole thing, as Rohil said. He's changed the whole thing and... um He's looked, he's looked proper sharp. Even the, uh, that game against Manchester United, that shot from Rashford on the turn, Mendy, I'm telling you, it was like split seconds. But like if he was kept out straight in, top corner, no problems. 
Yeah, United would have won that game 1-0. He, he saved it because, obviously, he's, he's a quality, quality keeper. He, he knows what he's doing. He's definitely changed the team for Chelsea. He's stopped a lot of goals, man. Uh, for me, he's made them title contenders. And I think next signing that I wasn't going to throw in for a defender has also made them title contenders. But probably honourable mentions, Martinez for Aston Villa and probably Leeds' keeper, uh, Melier. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's been solid for them and he's only like 20 years old. And he's a quality keeper, but I'm happy with Mendy as the keeper as our little joint six side team. We'll go with Mendy. Yeah. Decision. Yeah. Let's go for what one defender. Uh, I'll start with this one. There's so many to choose from. The fact that you can throw in Thiago Silva for a free transfer for Chelsea, who's given that back line, that stability and that experience has been quality for me. But then you have to look at teams like Leicester City and then you have to see how they've got Fafana in there. Have you got a player called Castagne, who's quality on the ball. And even with West Ham, they've got Kufal as their right wing back. And again, Daniel mentioned him on episode three. And I've, when we watched him against Man United, just kept Tayers quiet for the whole game. It's a change of system at half-time and Rashford came on. He got a real chance. Is yeah, that- I, I, do, I, do, I do know earlier I said no to no other players from Chelsea, but yeah, I'd probably say Thiago Silva. Obviously, South being a Chelsea fan, he'd probably be able to tell his best. See a smile on his face. He's loving it already. <laughs> No, I was I was gonna say I was gonna say um, you took the words out of my mouth, uh, Hamza. He's bought that much experience in there. Now Kurt Zuma's, uh, you know, feeding off him. Mm. You know, he's the the back line is literally watertight, bro. And it's not as if he's he's having great great performances as well at that age in the Premier League. I thought I was when he first signed him. I thought you know what, it's not gonna be as everyone's saying because I was I was looking at his age, but the thing he's bought with him is experience. Bro, he's, he's seen things that Zuma might not have seen if he wasn't there. You get me? So that's made the change. And both of them are feeding off each other. But Thiago Silva for free, like zero, I think, I think that's, a, that's a top, top signing that is. Was that a two-year deal? Or was it just one season? No, it was one year because Chelsea doesn't give a, um, a no longer years. than one-year contract for players over 31 or 32. Correct me if I'm wrong. They don't give any longer deals, but he's already uh, speaking for a second year, second year deal. That's good. Thiago Silva's my defender as well, and you guys have just said pretty much everything I'm gonna. I was gonna say so. Again, so I would probably say like Matty Cash from Aston Villa, but he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> but again, what would Eric say? What would Eric say? Eric would say Tellez. He's, he's the Man United guy, so he'd say Tellez. <laughs> um, no, I'm here. I heard everything you said, so I'd say for my centre back option. Well, defender option. It was a close one, so I would have gone for Gabriel from Arsenal, but in recent performances, they've kind of fallen apart. I think Thiago Silva, the fact that only Chelsea were, I think, was it only Chelsea that were really in for him this summer? Yeah. Yeah. I think think that's a massive shock. Like, I think United could have maybe gone in for him, considering they've got a fridge and, well, that's about it, to be honest. I think they could have gone in for him, but I think the one that gets it for me is Fofana for Leicester. He looks like a real top player down there. Well, Portland's someone quite good, I think. He was a quite pricey player, but Chilwell, again, Chelsea left back. Got rid of yeah, Chilwell, Chilwell's a good signing too. Out as well. There's something to choose from. <laughs> so, who are we going for as a joint decision for Thunder? Yeah, I'd probably go with Sal. I'd probably go with Sal just to make it like a, a team full of variety. I'd probably go with Fofana. Don't get me wrong, no disrespect to Thiago Silva, but we should probably keep it to like no, no more than two players, no more than one player from each club. Mm. So yeah, I'll probably yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll that's go a good for choice. Good shout, that. I'll go that's for a good choice. Actually. That's a good choice. Before he got his hair dyed, 
that was when he was quality. When he changes, when he, had, when he changes hair, it's not been that good. Um, but yeah, we'll go for Fafara as our centre back or our defender. <coughs> and now we've got the freedom of four outfield uh, other players to choose from because it's six aside. So I'm just going to name some off the top of my head: Ferran Torres, Decore, Callum Wilson, and Jota. And I mentioned Holberg one of the episodes as well. So those are just random plays. I think we should start like in midfield. I think Hoib, that Hoibier definitely gets it for me. The way he's been playing, like he's integral to sort of Jose's system and how he plays. I think top signing. In his first game, I watched him. I, I didn't think he was, maybe he was like a bit, wasn't really good enough. But last couple of games, I mean, with the system that Jose plays, it's like completely turned that team around. It's not just him, it's everyone else as well, like a full team effort. But you can see how like integrally is as part of it. It gives me those vibes from Inter Milan, if you remember that player. Yeah. He's Serbian, but he's a quality holding midfielder as well. And the fact that he played what? North London derby, Chelsea and Man City, what, three weekends in a row. How many goals did they let in? None. Yeah, that's, that's, that's oh. right. Insane. Insane talent. I'd give Alan a shout, you know, from Everton. Mm. I, think, I, think he's, he, I think he's changed them a lot. Because I think you look at Everton last season finishing uh, 12th and obviously the amount of goals they conceded. And I think he's coming. He's done it, obviously alongside Decore as well, which is another brilliant signing. I'd say Alan's up there. But yeah, I can't disagree with the Hoibieg being in there. I think he's a quality player. Obviously, Premier League experience as well, and he's just stepped up a level at space. So yeah, I'd probably say Hoibieg as well. Yeah, I'll say Hoibieg as well. As Sal said, like in his first game, he was, it looked like a terrible signing, but, you know, game by game, he's just got better and better. And then yesterday, I watched the entire Tottenham game. He was just like a rock. So nothing was going past him. So, you know, he's a good player. He's a good player. So I'm I'm going with him. Yeah, I was going to say that Everton player as well, Alan. Yeah, but they're not. They're not. I literally forgot about Hoiberg. But I would pick Hoiberg as well. Reason being is I just realised the geese is a tank. He's literally the way Jose Mourinho wants to play. The the ideal player he wants is in Hoiberg. Yeah. He's literally the spine. He's the spine. So if if he has everything, you know, in track. That's it. The like we mentioned last last week, man. Tot- Tottenham are um, the real, real underdogs. I think um, the dark horse. But see what happens, man. But I go for Hoiberg as well. I would I think also Partey, Thomas Partey for Arsenal. But he was literally been there, rocking their midfield. But he's been injured, and he was again injured yesterday in the Arsenal Spurs game. Well, what was that drama about, man? He just left the pitch, didn't he? He was just playing with yeah, one. You could see from the beginning of the game he was in, he was injured. He shouldn't have been playing. That was a that was a bad call from Arteta and the fitness team. Yeah, I think Arteta panicked though, seeing the form Tottenham yeah. were on, and he was thinking the only chance we're gonna have is if this guy plays. But yeah, Partey was on it for minute one, and I don't blame him to be honest. His manager just put him in whilst he's obviously still injured, and he's, he's pretty much set himself up to fail. I think I think somebody that I didn't realize was as good as he actually is. Well, I always knew he was a decent player, but. Until he joined us, I'd say Ross Barkley, the way he's turned up for us this season. I mean, mm. he's injured at the moment, but he definitely gets the shout. I didn't, I've, like I've seen him play before, he was a bit wasted at Chelsea. I think he's way better than Mason Mount, for starters, anyway. No, we disagree there. Disagree massively. Disagree massively. I think Mason Mount miles ahead of Ross Barkley. And it shows that Chelsea, what Mason Mount is doing, and what Ross Barkley is doing. And Ross Barkley, in my opinion, had a better team there. 
when he came in. We'll leave that for the <laughs> poll on Instagram. Maybe for next week, talk about England and that. Because England's draw was today for the Euro uh, qualifiers for the World Cup. So we could talk about that next week. Again, we're keeping it easy this December. Um, but yeah, who's in the middle of our park in our six-a-side team? We've got Alan Holberg. Anyone else want to throw in? Hamez was a shout, but uh, be uh, more, more towards the start, more towards the start of the season, I'd say. It's kind mm. of like fizzled off a bit. You had that injury, in it? So I'm going for Holberg. Yeah, I guess so. yeah I'm definitely in for Holberg. So we've got Mendy, we've got Bofana, we've got Holberg, and now we've got three positions left. For... I can't look past Diogo Jota. I know we have no Liverpool fans here. And he's just been insane for Liverpool. And he's kept them going in the goal scoring and the assists as well in the Premier League and Champions League. I think it's been... No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think with... You're looking, obviously, Mane and Salah, they've obviously both had their... Obviously, both had COVID. They both had to isolate. Mm. Um, I think, obviously, imagine they didn't sign Yacha. They would have been in deep trouble. And I think Yacha came in, hit the ground running straight away. I think on his debut, he scored against Arsenal. And since then, he's just been getting assists there, a goal there. So I think it's been as obviously as much as it pains me to say, but I think he's been probably the signing of the Premier League season so far. I don't want to big him up to, anymore. To reflect, <laughs> just to reflect on that, I think it shows how good of a player he's been that um, Klopp's actually changed his formation to fit him in for a few games as well. Like nobody ever got into that front three, like ever. Like if you look at Origi, who's just been on the bench ages to be honest the fact that he's come in and he's sort of like rotated around him as well which is and he has performed for Liverpool I think he brings something a bit different he's a, he's a, he's a goal threat and you know he gets assists as well so he, he definitely has to make it for me in that team and for the price they paid for him for somebody that's made that much impact I think it's been a really good deal for them as well yeah no I agree he's, he's really good he's earning me a lot of fantasy uh, football points took Klopp's had to change the system to fit him in, and that just shows how well he's, he's done. So I've got Jota as well. The front, uh, Marnie and Salah, they, you know, they had their problems as well. They were out, but Jota's literally made it feel like they weren't there. Like, it doesn't matter if they're not there. He's, he's still knocking in them goals or, you know, getting them assists. And, um, yeah, he's, he's been a top signing for them. Um, yeah, like, he's a top quality player as well. Well, the thing I don't understand is, last week we were saying Liverpool's defence is like this, like that. <laughs> They're not letting anything in. What's happening there, man? We clearly don't know that much about Liverpool at the moment. Clearly, Klopp is just surprising everyone going forward. Mm-hmm. He's got some Especially with our vote. No one to our score prediction from Liverpool Wolves last week. That was a bit... That was... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was the closest, I think, and I was a draw. <laughs> nah, I finished four nil. So yeah, they're up for the fight. I think that's five for five for Jota. I think he's already in. That's all good. Yeah, he's in. We've got two yeah. more positions left for our six sides. We've got Mendy. We've got Fafana. We've got uh, Jota, and then we've got uh, Hoiberg. I want to say Callum Wilson because of literally just holding that Newcastle team up. They're not doing great at the moment, but he's just that Premier League goal scorer, and I feel like he should have gone to a better team than Newcastle. I feel like he would have done better at a team like, I don't want to say it, but Aston Villa. Imagine Aston Villa would produce Barkley yeah. in prison. Oh, yeah, I'd rather have Watkins in the team over Callum Wilson, mm. if I'm honest. Going, going by what they've done so far this season. Or, don't get me wrong, I think Callum, Callum Wilson's done well. Obviously, bear in mind the supply he's got at Newcastle compared to what Ollie Watkins has got. But, yeah, I'd put Ollie Watkins ahead of Callum Wilson. 
that's why I go for Callum Wilson because of that lack of supply. The fact that Bruce plays so defensive in his formations, like the five four ones or the five three twos, and you're just there like this is such negative. I remember the Man United game, like they were winning, and they're still being defensive, so we could just attack them the whole game. And Wilson and Joel Linton or Wilson and say Maximum were just there, and like we have nothing to work with. That's why I'm quite a big fan of Callum Wilson just trying to keep it going by himself. Yeah, I agree with that, but you don't think with Ollie Watkins, don't get me wrong, I think you look at Villa last season, Grealish was their standout player, but I think, don't you think Ollie Watkins has made Grealish look even better in terms of the amount of chances Grealish has created, Watkins has been there to finish him off, whereas last season, who was Grealish supplying to? Trezeguet and them lot, and they weren't finishing much last season, so I think they're, they're pretty much complement each other, and I'll be honest with you, that's the, that's the reason why I'd go for Ollie Watkins. I think sometimes you just have to look at quality between them both. And yeah, I think Oli, I don't think Callum Wilson would have done a better job than Oli Watkins in that Villa team. Nah, I disagree. I surprisingly agree with uh, Raheel and the Villa fan. Like, Mate, yeah, I talk, listen, I talk sense. I'm not the dude <laughs> like, like you and Arif. Oh, well, that's an exclusive then, because I've never heard that one before. But yeah, definitely <laughs> Oli Watkins for me has to, has to, he has to be up front for this team. He brings so much to us, like a complete different dimension. He can score all kinds of goals except for penalties, to be honest. And uh, yeah, so for me, definitely has to be Oli Watkins. Yeah, he's going to make Grealish look even more better because, uh, you know, he's, Grealish is, he's, he's a top, top quality player anyway. And <laughs> Stern, you see, it's, uh, so, um, but. <laughs> Um, he's gonna obviously all these ch- chances he's gonna create. When Ali Watkins, he's he's bound to score uh, some of them, yeah. Um, and his his conversion rate is gonna go higher. For that reason, I'll put Ali Watkins in because he's he's held he's he's the one who put um, Aston Villa up there at the start of the season. Now obviously they're going slightly down in it, but you know he's the one who put them up there. Well, we've not gone down. We've got two games in hand, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Ollie Watkins as well. Um, obviously, you guys have pretty much covered it all off. But um, he just scores goals and keeps winning games for Villa. Um, and do think Villa, um, will, well, they are doing well this year. But as Sal says, they won't, they won't be challenging for any, any, um, any trophy or Champions League places. I just said that makes both of us then. Yeah, well, because if, if we're not going to get top four, you're not going to get top. Ollie Watkins, I'll just go with the team. Ollie Watkins is our striker. Now we've got the sixth player, so this is basically whoever we want again from a different team. So, like a wild card type thing. For me, I'm going to throw in, throw in Kufal. I think he's been quality for West Ham. And it's kind of just because they had, remember, they had Zabaleta right back. They had, um, who's the other one? Fredericks right back, right wing back as well. I think he's going to secure their position in the right-back position for West Ham for years to come. So I think he's done really well for so far. I'm probably going to say Ferran Torres from Man City. I think he's come in, hit the ground running Spanish as well, proper Guardiola kind of signing, and he's only going to develop under him. Um, obviously, we know Guardiola loves this young Spanish player, so yeah, I'm going to go with Ferran Torres. I'm going to go with uh, Cavani. Obviously, um, he's come into the United team now, and you know, I know he's he just got injured the other day, but you know you can see with the energy that he brings on the pitch, the way he moves about, and you know he's he's, he's won us um, 
I think we when we played Southampton, he literally single-handedly won us that game. I hope he stays fit and uh, he continues to win games for Man United because that's what we need. Uh, we need to be climbing, climbing up that table and uh, winning our cup games as well whenever they come. I think the, uh, the League Cup starts again next week. Or was it week after? I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather not stop. <laughs> well, we need to win a trophy this year, so any trophy would do us good. But um, yeah, come on. I went with uh, Ferran Torres. <clears throat> um, he's got he's got top skill, and um, you know he he has hit the ground running. And apart from that, is you know he's uh, a very forward-minded uh, player, and he's especially he's, look look at his age. You know, he's only he's only going to develop under Pep Guardiola, and um, for me, I think he's going to get a lot better, and he's going to utilize that space he's in a lot more in the coming years. Um, and you know, he will he will get better. So my that's question, my choice. My question for Ferran Torres is: Do you reckon he'll stay as a winger, or do you reckon he'll end up moving in field like Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva did? I think he's capable of both, if I'm honest. Mm. I think he can pick, but Guardiola can rely on him to play out, and you can also rely on him and put him in the middle. But I think with Guardiola, where he's good now, he's he's got a lot of options out wide and in the middle. Obviously, yep. you look at him out wide, he's got Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling, he got Bernardo Silva who can come in and play out wide as well, and yeah. obviously Ferran Torres as well. So uh, yeah, I think I think he can probably do. I can I think he can do both. Because that was my point with Bernardo Silva. Um, the point that he was a winger when he first arrived to. Man City, and he moved infield to play as more of a centre mid as well, which worked which worked perfectly. I think, yeah. I mean, I would have probably gone for like Kai Havertz if he, you know, performed a little bit better than he had. But I think on form, probably Torres is the one that gets it. I think he, he, I was watching Spain the other day when they played against Germany. I think he got a hat trick that day. Yeah, he was, he really uh, was, Yeah, it was quite good. It was quite good that game. I think if he just sort of shows more of that, because Man City have, I would, I wouldn't say they've been like dominating teams like they have been before. They've not looked so sort of yeah, as good as they no, have I been. Th- I, th- I think they do look a bit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're the old Man City of like a season or two seasons ago. Yeah, it doesn't look like I the Man City team that has, yeah, that ninety percent possession every but game. I think and, without, yeah. without, without Aguero and obviously David Silva not playing for them yeah. anymore, I think they are big misses. And I think don't get me wrong, I think Ferran Torres is a good enough player to fill that void. But still, think he's got a few more years to reach that level. Yeah, I mean, he probably doesn't directly have to fill the void because probably Bernardo yeah. will fill like David, or maybe even Foden will fill David's sort mm. of uh, role. But I mean, yeah, I think I think if if he really turns up for them and shows consistency, he could be a real key player for them. And it was a cheap signing as well. Yeah, it, it was under twenty million, I think. Yeah, I think it was around twenty, just under. Valencia are in need of a cash. That's why I keep saying their players season under season get so annoying because they have such a quality team, but we're never going to see Valencia to what they really should be at the like, top of the Spanish league. But yeah, that was quite nice. We've all got our own little choices at the end. Again, everyone else will have their opinion on who their best player, best signer of the season is. So if you're listening to this and you think you can do any better, just comment on our Instagram page when we put the team out. And again, it's a joint one, so less work for us to do in the graphics department. Um, but yeah, with my scouting report, it's again another defensive-minded midfielder. So his name is uh, Bubakar Kamara, I believe. Plays for Marseille in the League on and the Champions League. Not anymore because they got knocked out. They're playing Man City this week. 
and he plays in a centre-back or defensive midfield area. So it's kind of like Marquinhos or a Declan Rice. He's really good on the ball. He's scored a couple of goals for Marseille over the last few years. 23 years old, but he's not making the French team because France have so many amazing centre-backs and defensive midfield options at the moment. But in the summer, uh, Man City and Real Madrid were interested in buying him because, again, he can play out really well from the back. He's a really good ball player. And under Andre Viespo, he's gone from like a centre-back to a centre-defensive mid. He can play either side as a full-back. And I just wanted to ask you, Doc, because, again, with me doing my scouting reports, I just wanted to know, do you reckon that's the way centre-backs are going in, in the future? They're going to have to be ball-playing from like a young age going forward. They can't just knock it out and they can't just like do the classic, get rid of it all the time. They have to learn how to play proper football. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I think you look at a lot of the high, the, a lot of the teams that are doing good in Europe and obviously in the world. You look at Bayern, you look at Liverpool. It's a team that press from the top. And I think the only way to really, and with good centre-backs as well, so you can't really just play a long ball over because you've got the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Hedri Reis. So I think a lot of the teams now are going down that route of having to play out from the back. And I think that's that's where you're looking at. A centre-back centre back, back in the days was like, Anything comes in your way, you clear it, you position yourself well and you cut out the danger. But I think now it's almost contributing towards your team being able to score goals as well. And I think that's just how it's evolved. I think you look at a lot of the centre-backs, you look at Sergio Ramos, the way he takes the ball forward from Madrid. Um, you look, obviously, the likes of Man City as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to put one out there. I'm going to say Harry Maguire as well. Don't get me wrong, I don't think he's probably the best at defenders one-on-one. Or obviously when there's danger being or pressure being put on him, but I think him bringing the ball like he's brought something new to our defence is probably how to to contribute to score more goals this season. And obviously everyone knows Omna Maguire's biggest fan, but I think that's probably his biggest strength is bringing the ball out from the back. And looking at Kamara's uh, passing range as well, the fact that he can score goals and assists, he does really good long ball passes as well. So if you're watching the Man City game this week, well, you'd have watched it by now because of the episode releasing on Friday. You'd have seen Kamara in the midfield just spraying passes if he hasn't. More or less just goes to uh, Tolvan on the right or Payet on the left. And you're just trying to get uh, an inkling into how centre-backs are going to be in the future. Because if you look at how Man United brought Michael Carrick and Daley Blind into like defence when they were midfielders. Well, and then you look at Fernandinho, who's now gone to a centre-back as well. And you look at how midfielders, instead of retiring, going to... Uh, a different position they're going into centre back because again it's just an extra ball player in the midfield so Saf in terms of Thiago Silva at the back do you reckon that's just one of those things that he's teaching Zuma to play properly out from the back instead of just always lumping a pass yeah yeah it's a a transition so obviously we're seeing that now Um, you know slowly slowly players are starting to do that bringing the ball out and I think I think it's going to start happening more regular and you know these players will evolve and they'll become a lot more skillful bringing the ball forward. Um, we've, obviously, Thiago, you know, we've seen him do it at so many, you know, levels, um, even with Brazil and PSG. The way he drives the ball forward, I, I never used to see Kazuma do that first. First, he was just literally a stand-on-stand, head-to-head defender. Now, you look at him, he's scoring goals. So he's, he's, he's slowly, slowly, you know, changing that, that kind of game, that normal traditional game. And he's bringing a bit more skill to the, uh, you know, skill to it and playing it out forward. We've seen it with Virgil van Dijk as well um, last season, bringing the ball forward. You know, I've seen him bring it all the way to halfway line. Um, you know, that is, it's a transition. It's going to happen. And slowly, slowly, as these players 
um, as these new de- defenders are coming through, that's what they're, they're going to try and imitate to keep bringing the ball forward and push the team as, as a whole forward and start playing that pressing football. Just to add on that, Saria, it's like every goal kick is like like a five-a-side game sometimes, you know what I mean? When they're playing it out and you've got like defenders and attackers just sort of pressing from the off. Like, who'd have thought like going short from a goal kick was ever a thing? Like, I've never seen it happen sort of before Pep mm. came, to be honest. Like, happening this frequently and now you've got like even the lower teams in the league sort of attempting it too, like Arsenal, for example. But yeah, I mean, just a quick point. I have checked the facts on this before Raheel gets uh, Wikipedia out. But Laporte's not even made a cap. So, I mean, it, that sort of, sort of shows you the level out of France at the moment. Yeah, with all of their centre-backs and the, literally the pecs yeah. coming through. Upamecano is still yet to play like 10 games for France and Laporte's barely played. You've got Longley, you've got Ntiti, you've got so many people there. Varane, of course. Um, do you not think? Do you not think Laporte deserves to start ahead of people like Langley? I think so. I think I, I, I think so. I think he should be first choice. I think he should be first choice. Yeah, hundred percent. I think him and him and Upamecano or him and Varane together. I think yeah, I think him well. and Varane would be my ideal partnership. Yeah, that's probably how, the, old how old is Laporte? How old is twenty six? Yeah, he's around twenty mid twenties. I'm sure he'll get his chance. Yeah, but he's got a lot of time before his age. He should have made at least forty. Yeah, three caps. He should. He should have been called up. And Vish, one last question for you. If you remember when you watched England at the World Cup and you look how we used to play against teams like Italy or Uruguay, like the 2014 one to be specific, you know how our forwards would be tied in the first 20, 30 minutes after chasing the centre-backs? Do you reckon England could, could do that better than they did at the 2018 World Cup this time around with the centre-backs we have? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, you know, uh, England did really well in the last World Cup. Um, dead like a favourable draw but you know you look you look at ways on how you can improve and that's probably a good way for England to improve and hope, fingers crossed go one stage further and get to the final and perhaps win it or am I just you know being wishful and thinking they'll get the same kind of draw again not the year summer as well I reckon it's all yeah. to play for you don't see yeah. a standout um, international team but I can we could do that next week. Yeah, next week we'll talk about international football and we're keeping it easy. Yeah. But again, the back three, I would say, if we were to play back three, I wouldn't play Walker there. It'd be like a yeah. Mings, Maguire, and probably, I'd like to put C. Tarkovsky play because again, there's a good ball playing centre-back. But again, no, I'd, play, I'd, play, I'd play Walker into in a back three. I'd probably have Mings and Maguire as centre-backs and I'd play walk, Walker with them. That's so and Dyer there as well because there's a good even Declan Rice would be quality. I'd like to see him at centre-back. Again, a ball-playing centre-back. Right, Salim, take it away with your topic of the week. Yeah, I mean, it's really important. I think it's good that we do talk about it as well. And I think it's sort of racism in football. I mean, there's a lot of racism outside, you know, that uh, some people have been through it, some people haven't. But the fact that we're still witnessing it in football grounds is shocking, to be honest. Like there was a, I, I'm fully supportive of you know taking the knee before kickoff, and then you had the Millwall fans just sort of booing and just hard to watch. To be honest, I'm not sure what you guys made of it. No, the same. Sure, when, but... I, when I heard about it, it was pretty much the same. I, I don't understand why they've done what they've done. It just doesn't make no sense. I, I really joke. Didn't it, in honesty, I was just I saw it on like you know one of those headlines on the news that you see on your phone, like a notification. I'm like. 
it's like a parody thing or it's, it's, they're just making a joke about it. But when you watch the footage, it's vile and it's disgusting. And I find it quite heart-wrenching that human beings can be like that to other human beings, not just in football, but in society. <clears throat> and it's literally their first game back as fans. And then you get to see how even Millwall had like black players and they're just literally treating them like crap because all they want is equality in this world. And it's not just black players, but obviously other ethnic minorities in football want equality in football. But the fact that Black Lives Matter has been going on and uh, they want to support it throughout the whole football league is fantastic. But I don't see why a small minority has had to ruin that and it had to go nationwide in the press as well. It's horrible to see. Yeah, I mean, just to quickly add on that, I mean, two parts to it. You've got, the first thing, you've got, like, people sort of sending, like, racial messages to, like, black footballers on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. So I think the first thing that we need to have is, like, like a verification sort of policy on social media where, like, instead of getting, like, a blue tick or a white tick, like celebrities get, we should just get, like, you know, maybe a green tick or something just to just that every account is like verified because anyone can hide behind, you know, a photo of like, I don't know, any, any footballer or something or just like nothing. And then just send hate like anywhere. And you'll never find who that person is because it's just not like, you just would never know. That's the first thing because we don't know how that's affecting footballers or even like other people. The second thing is, is, I mean, has anyone here ever been sort of racially abused on a football pitch before or anything like that? Uh, For the first thing, I agree with you completely. And I think it should be like, because of social media now, how anyone can make an account in minutes, basically. I feel like Harry Maguire brought up a good point when Pogba was racially abused, like last season against Wolves, for missing a penalty of all things. Again, we drew, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world to be racially abused and you should never be racially abused for playing the, the game that you love. He made a good point, I remember, that they should have ID via like passports or something, yeah. put your passport number on your social media accounts. So you end up, getting tracked by the police in the right way and you get rather suspended or fined or something like that, or your parents get fined. Or even like you should be taught like educationally, like maybe some people just need... That should be, an know, all, that should be a standard in, in the curriculum from now on in the country. I um, agree with education. Um, obviously, it's got, schools have got to be doing something and you've got to be teaching these young kids on what to say and what not to say um and what's bad and what's good um and if they learn that from a young age they'll never repeat this on social media or even to anybody so the biggest thing is education and you know like there's there's some people as well like older people you know they need education as well um and you know all it takes is just like a simple google search to find out um, what certain things mean and what certain things you shouldn't say. Um, it's, it's just education for everybody. I haven't faced any racial abuse um, whilst playing football, so oh, I, I guess I'm lucky in that sense, but I don't know if anyone else has on this group. No, not on a football yes. field, but on a cricket field. I stopped playing cricket when, at a young age from playing, uh, literally when I was playing for my cricket club. The fact that I was the only brown guy there. And again, no one else could understand the pain I was going through in terms of how you'd get jeered as like a, like a teenager, basically, for like bowling a wide. But when it's like a, another person on your team that bowled a wide or got a no ball, oh, no, it's okay, carry on. You'll, you'll get it next ball. Or if you've got out, you get jeered or something. And you're just there like, your parents have spent so much money in terms of like getting all the cricket equipment and stuff. 
and you're just there like I don't want to play anymore because it's just heartbreaking and the, the worst thing is like your friends in the team or your friends around you couldn't see what was happening and they couldn't do anything <clears throat> and you're just there like it's not fun to play on the football pitch never happened and in the football stadium never happened at all and I hope it will never happen to anyone on this group or anyone listening at all but the fact that um I don't want it to happen in terms of like to kids growing up playing football nowadays. I'd, I'd hate for it to happen to like my cousins or uh, other family members like growing up saying, I don't want to play football anymore because I, I feel isolated or I feel left out because of the color of my skin or my ethnicity or my religion. That would just be the worst thing to hear as like an elder in society at the moment. It's a very, very broad topic in one sense. Reason being is because there's so many different avenues of racism that, you know, um, people suffer from but in terms of football what we have to look at is that it's, it's not racism wasn't so looking at racism and racism from history racism wasn't invented by normal people it was invented by actual elite people just to segregate people so like you know divide people and separate them from other people so if you look at it from history, it was always designed by the elite people. So in football, it's only the, the people at the top. So, you know, the FA, the commissioners, whoever they are, only these people can eradicate racism. Now, looking at racism in football, um, you know, like, like we've already mentioned, the Millwall game, people are taking the knee, but they're booing. That's disgusting. Sickening. Sickening, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, them fans shouldn't even deserve to come to a live game ever again. Me, I, I personally think if someone's racist in a, in a football game, they should be fined, um, you know, minimum five figures, yeah, and then life ban and, you know, put on some sort of record as a racist person because th there's, there's, no, there's no sympathy towards a racist person because why are you, um, you know, diminishing or, you know, um, you know, saying discriminatory things towards a different colour or a different race is, is, is not acceptable on any level, zero tolerance. Um, so I think it's definitely the, the higher board, the commissioners, they have to do something about it. There's, there's, and then obviously, you know, players who, who go through racism, that's a different, that's a different story now. There's, there's, you know, players that react in a certain way like, for example, um, the first time I ever experienced something like that on, on, a live, on a live game was when I was watching Barcelona. I can't remember who they were playing, but someone threw a banana at Danny Alves. I don't know if you yeah, guys yeah. remember it. I think it was, I think yeah, it was someone, Sevilla off the top of my head. Yeah, I knew Sevilla, Sevilla. So someone threw a banana at Danny Alves and what he done was picked it up and ate it and threw the rest away. So you look at, you take this example that there's literally... There's no barrier between like the fans and the players, as in on a general level. If you're if you're just a natural supporter of football or watch football, you can't just you know decide to one day become you know a racist and throw these kind of things at you know a specific color. Obviously, you're you're throwing a banana at this player and you know you know trying to say he's a monkey or something. But and he's he's reacted to it in the the most perfect way. He's literally ate it in a way of I've accepted who I am. What are you going to do about it? And that is the best, that's the best way um, I've seen someone deal with that on the pitch. Um, then you've got another example 
of Saint Mario Balotelli. Um, you know, I feel for that guy as well. He's, he, you know, I really like that person, Mario Balotelli. There was a game I can't remember who he was playing, but they were chant, they were doing monkey chants at him, and he literally picked the ball up and he kicked it into the crowd, and he and he was deciding to walk off. He said, "I don't want to play." I that was, I think, that was the Italian league. I think. Uh, yeah, I think, Italian I think league. when he was at Inter. Yeah, and he literally said, you know what, I'm not going to play, I'm walking off. And later on, you saw him sitting there on the bench, you know, in tears, in tears that he's playing a game that he, he dearly loves and he's playing, you know, in front of fans, in front of people, putting on an entertainment show and all he's getting back is racist abuse. And then I think he made a comment after that, he's going to move, he's going to move somewhere into Africa where he's more accepted. No player should feel like this. And that's what I'm saying. It has to be from the top down, not bottom up. We can we can give all the education to the to the lower people, but it needs to be instilled. It needs to be in the roots, embedded that none of this stuff is accepted. And if you do, you're gonna have to pay the consequences, a fine, and a life ban, and you're put on some sort of um, you know record. Like I don't wanna you know compare the two, but how pedophiles are put on some sort of record. Racist people should be put on some sort of record as well. That you know these are racist people because let's let's put it let's put it out there. Racism is not a nice not is not a nice thing. You know, yeah, uh, look at the example with um, uh, Anton Ferdinand and John Terry. He's done a documentary about it. What nine years later, because yeah. of how it affected his yeah. mental health. It's a full-on documentary, like you said, it's a full-on documentary. And obviously, whatever was said, if John Terry is in the wrong. He should be penalised. It doesn't matter if he's a footballer. He should be penalised. Whatever happens, he should be penalised. And I don't think much happened to him. If he's racist, he's a racist. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I was, I was going to say, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, the thing with JT was, the surprising part was for somebody like, you know, sort of like professional footballer as well to have sort of racially abused, you know, Ferdinand. Like, it's unbelievable, to be honest. But it's one of them again, like, because he, he did get cleared by sort of, you know, like a court of law is what, and, and, and that was a statement that came out from his party saying that he was cleared and they don't want to reopen, but it would be interesting to see, you know, if where where the case would have like really gone. Like, you know, I'm, I'm all for seeing like justice. Because that's the worst thing, the fact that Anton Ferdinand is like now known because of that case. He was known as like the brother of Rio Ferdinand, but now he's known for that case with John Terry. And people still to this day blame him for like John Terry's form in, uh, Euro 2012 because they were like oh will John Terry make it for the Euros and they were like Ferdinand's not going to be in the team because uh, Anton Ferdinand claimed about the racism stuff so Ferdinand and Terry never played afterwards and all he did was, was he just spoke up that was it he didn't victim that's the main thing I was going to say um, Raheel's not said much Wondering no, if he had any, I, I, I think it's, I think it's probably just that anger and frustration building up for me I think a lot of examples you guys have mentioned and I think no footballer should be made to feel that way Obviously, everyone plays football for the for the love of the game and for enjoyment. I think they're pretty much the same. I'm not comparing with professional footballers, but we go to play football on a Friday night or whenever we go to just enjoy the game. You meet your friends, you play against opposition. Don't get me wrong, it does get dirty in terms of tackles and you have banter and you get heated. But I don't think you should ever resort to that level of level of abuse. And I just think it's something that shouldn't be acceptable. And I think I agree with Salim. It's something that should be. And, and stuff, sorry, it's something that should come from the top down to the bottom. I think the issue we're having now is obviously everyone at the bottom. So, like, the, obviously, there's a, quite a majority of the fans who are obviously setting up campaigns and same with the football clubs as well. But I think it's not t until someone is really 
badly punished for it. And like I think if you see a regular occurrence when this does happen, if you see a regular occurrence of fans being banned and being basically named and shamed, which should which should be the way. I think a lot of, a lot of the times I'll don't wrong, I'll come across posts on Twitter where like someone on Twitter with literally their own name and their profile picture have like racially abused a player and people have been pretty much quick on Twitter to search for them on Facebook, find out where they work and they're ringing up their workplace to reporting to it. But that should be a normal thing for someone like Twitter or other social media platforms. As soon as you see someone be racist, like you said, if for example, now if you had the ID validation on Twitter where you see their passport photo, their driving license, Twitter will automatically see that violent, violent abuse. They'll obviously find out which person it is and they will get in touch with the authorities to get that sorted. And I think that's, 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 prob- that's probably what's not being done from the top. And that's sort of what, why the issue would always be there, which is pretty sad to say. And it frustrates me as well. But yeah, it is something that needs to be uh, dealt with that's gone on for far too long. I think another quick one, Raheel, is that I think we've been quite lucky in a sense that like we've played loads of football over you know, like the last what five years, ten years, whatever it is, but everyone that we've sort of played with, like they've been from different sort of, you know, walks of life, but no one has ever sort of Yeah, never stooped, been, no never one has been stooped that low. Yeah. No matter how he it gets, like, you know, there's always arguments and stuff in games, especially when, like, Arif's on VAR and stuff, but nothing's ever been that bad, to be honest. No, it's true. V-A-R-E-A. Virtual area. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with Salim, though. The fact that I've been, we've been at FNF for how long and I've been there for, what, a year? There have been heated moments and people listening from our, from our football group will know there have been heated moments and they'll know who's been involved. But it's never stooped to racism which I love it's always been cleared off rather the next day or the day after and there's been apologies hit uh, left right and centre which has been perfectly fine um, it's just one of those things that I think I feel like it will have to be something drastic to change the mentality of English fans because they were quick to judge those Bulgarian fans that are racist to England players in Bulgaria but back home they're equally as racist which makes no sense to me like for example if mm-hmm. they were to play without any uh, black players or any players from different minorities would that get them to notice or would they have to find the clubs or uh, demote the clubs into uh, like lower positions or lower like points deductions that could be an option if I think want. like another one on that is like two points I want to make is that I think the media doesn't help at all like there was a story about like Raheem Sterling quite a couple of years back buying a house for his mother or something and um, they just spin the story saying you know extravagant footballer like splashing cash and or like you know they made they turn into something bad but then you've got Phil Foden another sort of you know wealthy footballer earning big money and he sort of bought a house for his mother and they were like oh look how proud like you know such a great thing he's done and then we've got the Mason Greenwood like Foden sort of incident not that I'm attacking Foden or anything like that but I think it's the media that have made it sort of like 10 times worse because the sort of treatment they gave both players were not the same mm, no 100% agree mm. Um, thinking about you know how much you know where football has evolved since it started, and um, being in the 21st century, and and the way it's played now with so many officials, so many levels, I think that one thing that the the board should do is when there's a when there's when someone comes up with a campaign, they should 100% support every single campaign. In regards to racism, every single campaign should be supported and exposed. They should be given the exposure straight away. When you see, it's like they fight against the campaign when they should be supporting it. That's what confuses as well, because 
if it's, if someone's doing something good um, and trying to stop something, is not getting support from higher up. It's like being there just just to do it, just for the sake of it, or you know, for the clout or something. But they should one hundred percent support any single um, campaign that comes up. It has to be supported if they want to make some sort of movement towards eradicating racism. We could we could probably go on forever, to be honest, because it's a serious matter. But this I just want to I just want to say the fact that like five British Asian men are talking about it on the podcast goes out to the public is a bit more refreshing than hearing it from other people that you hear it from all the time, like on Sky Sports, the presenters and the news and stuff that you hear it. And the fact that if anyone else, again, is from the same ethnic minority as us, gets a bit of a kick out of this and they can learn a bit of like, a bit one or two different things, that would be quite nice as well because these are our genuine thoughts and we haven't discussed this prior, so it's quite nice to hear all of your thoughts. So thank you very much for that. But again, we will end it on an easier topic. Rahil, what three games have you got for us this weekend? Um, so first one, we're going to start with the uh, Midlands derby, Saturday uh, midday. And I think we'll go to Stalin first on what his prediction will be. We've got Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Aston Villa. Wolverhampton playing at home. What do you reckon, Sal? Uh, should I answer as deluded Arif or as myself? I'll answer it how you want, mate. No, I think it's going to be... I think. I think we'll take it. I think it'll be two one Villa. Two one Villa. That's it. Yeah. No, I'm. Ugh, don't know who's gonna score or anything, but just two one Villa. That's it. Simple. Back to winning ways. <laughs> back to that top four march. That's it. I'll go three two Villa. Three two. Yeah. Two two. I think. I think you know what. Uh, Wolves is gonna have it all the way through, and then Jack Grealish is gonna have to save the day. It's gonna be a two two draw. I'm going with um, a 1-0 Wolves win. Um, I don't think Villa will turn up because obviously they haven't played for two weeks. They missed their game last week. Um, wow. And Wolves will have a bit of a bounce after getting a thrashing like that from Liverpool. So, And obviously it's a derby, you know. Players are going to be up for it, so they're going to, you know, try not to make that mistake. And I, I, don't, I don't think Wolves will make too many mistakes and Villa will uh, make that one mistake and they'll concede that one goal. So... 1-0 uh, uh, Wolves, sorry. I'm going to go with the 2-1 Wolverhampton Wanderers win. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think it'll be easy for them. I think it'll be a very tight game. And obviously, I could be proven wrong. I think it could also end up, obviously, like a draw or a Villa 2-1 win. Because I think you look at both defences, which are pretty good. But then you've got, obviously, Wolves, who are missing their main man now, Raul Jimenez, and obviously, get well soon to him. Gone through a pretty bad injury. Um, I think they'll struggle, obviously, after not getting any goals against Liverpool as well. Um, but yeah, I st- I st- I st- for some reason, I still back uh, Wolves to do the damage. I think Villa not, not having played for about two weeks now might have a bit of an effect. Um, but like you said, they, they, it, I think it's going to be a good game to watch from a neutral point of view. I think you've got two brilliant players, um, two brilliant teams with brilliant players in there. You've got two good defences as well. Um, obviously, we've seen how good Villa's defence has been this season, obviously. Wolves with Connor Cody, Max Kilman, and obviously Wilfred Bowley to choose out of as well. So, yeah, I think it'll be a good game to watch. It'll be a very tight game. Um, obviously, only only downside is there's not going to be no fans there because obviously the Midlands still under tier three, which is a shame. But yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, two-one Wolves win. We've got two other games. I know one of them's a Man United game. We get that? Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that with Manchester derby. Um, who wants to start this one? Two-one Man United. It'll be a last-minute winner by Bruno Fernandes. 
we're playing at home as well, aren't we, against Man City? So it's Cavani's yep. first derby, but he's going to be injured, but it doesn't matter. I think we're going to win 2 1. I think the match against Leipzig won't matter, like against PSG and West Ham last week, it won't matter who's playing, but I reckon we can do it against them. I'm not going to make a prediction for this one um, because. No, you have to make one. Very superstitious. No, you no, have to make a prediction. You can't, I, I, you, can't, you can't be part of the FNC podcast and not make a prediction. You have to do it. No, no I agree uh, with Salim there. You've got to make one. Uh, you have, to, take, go you have with, to make one. Obviously, United's home form hasn't been the best. Um, I'm going to go with 1 1. I don't think United uh, go, with what your, go with what your heart's saying, man. Don't say like no, 1 1, man. 1 1. I think uh, Bruno will score. And then uh, City will score. But it'll, it'll be a hard watch. Um, they'll, they'll be all over us, I think. Um, but we won't concede more than one goal. So, yeah, 1-1. One, one. I think if, I, if I'm being generous, I think United will lose 3-0 to the, to the bigger team in Manchester. <laughs> Manchester is blue. just want to put that out there, too. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think yeah, I think Defo Defo Man City for me this weekend. I don't know how you could say United. The supply teacher is going to get exposed by one of the best managers in the world. Ole's beaten like Guardiola every time but one. It's like they've had like six games against each other and he's lost one against against Guardiola. <laughs> These staff stats coming yeah, up. The South stats coming. He's going to get exposed. He's going to get exposed this weekend again. As well as Maguire, who's going to get exposed again. Yeah, everyone, to be honest. Go on, Saf, you choosing in the Manchester derby. Yeah, so I was just going to say that Manchester United, uh, it's, it's a bit even for me, but it's one of those things. Manchester United, they've been very spontaneous. So, like, they've, they've, they've got wins out of nothing. So, they're, they're losing and then they've got wins. So, they're, uh, for me, I'm on the fence a bit. But if I had to pick one, I don't know, I can just see... City 2-0. Uh, City 2-0. But, but it's a struggling one. It's a struggling one. But uh, City 2-0, I can see it. You can see the glum looks on the three Man United fans' faces, as you both said that. So, yeah. We'll see, Sorry, how, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. That's Go. fine. Um, I think it's going to be 2-1 Manchester United. I think our, form, our home form hasn't been great this season. It hasn't been good whatsoever. I think this is the game that probably kickstarted it at home. Um, I think one thing you've got to look at and take off the United's advantage is the guy that always does torture Manchester United at Old Trafford is Sergio Aguero, and he's not going to be part of the game on Saturday, which is a good to hear. Mendy used to score against us quite a bit as well. Yeah, so obviously he's not going to be part of the game. And I just think uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be a very good game to watch, but I think United will be very strong on the counter. And I think Guardiola knows himself that's going to be our tactic, sit back, play on the counter. And I still think there'd be nothing he can do about it. We've seen it so many times. last. I think we played them how many times last season? Three, four times. And I think they, they beat us only in the Carabao Cup in the league double over them, both at the Etihad and uh, Old Trafford. Um, so I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we're going to dominate them. I think it'll be a very tight game. Um, obviously, both teams will score, but I think it'll finish 2-1 United. Um, Bruno Fernandes and uh, Marcus Rashford. I also uh, texted Arif quickly to ask him his prediction, and he said it'll be 3 0 Man United. Um, <laughs> Dr. Prime Minister MBE Marcus Rashford to score two goals. That's what he said. I'll just, I'll just leave that there. 
I don't know why he keeps mentioning Boris Johnson to bad goals for United. But... <laughs> Boris Johnson got a doctorate. I don't think so. Or an MBE. How many caps did Boris Johnson got for Manchester United? <laughs> well, according, according to Arif, uh, Boris Johnson is United's top scorer and also England's top scorer. <laughs> according to Arif, that's Arif's stats. Up to Arif, deluded Arif. Listen, you and Arif are buddies each other with your stats, right? <laughs> yeah, but I've never, I've never, you don't hear me saying Tony Blair should play up front for Villa or something. Or put Prince William up, up front next week. You don't hear me saying stuff like that. But you do say Jack is going to have, you did say Jack Leach has won PFA Player of the Year. I'm mean, only in Yeah, December. I confirmed that last week. I confirmed so that Jack, last week. Jack Leach can get injured tomorrow in training and not play for the rest of the season and he'll still get PFA Player of the Year. Just, just asking. Exactly. There you are then. So yeah, we can't make yeah, them that's like that's different. We though, can't make it? we can't make PFA play the year predictions this early on this season. But I'm gonna break the rule and say Bruno Fernandez is gonna win it. Wait, if Bruno Fernandez gets injured right, tomorrow right, in training. Right now, he won't get injured. He's too good to get injured. Oh, okay. Touch wood, wood wherever it is. Yeah. He's not even. He's not even better than Grealish. He's just in the league of his own, mate. He's the best. He's not even better than De Bruyne. He's the, he's the best player in the Premier League right now on form. Any team that's coming up against him is shitting their pants and that's the best way to put it. He's the best player in the league right now. And you can say what you want, do what you want, but yeah, that's the truth. The last game, I'm going to say Chelsea-Everton. We're also playing on a Saturday. We've got quite a few good games on Saturday. You've got Midlands Derby, Manchester Derby, and you've got Chelsea-Everton. We've even got the Madrid Derby. We've got the Madrid Derby as well on Saturday. Oh, this, week, this weekend, yeah. I don't really follow Madrid since the goal left. But yeah, we'll touch on Chelsea, Everton. We'll go with Saf first, being a Chelsea fan. What do you reckon? Chelsea, 3-0. 3-0? Yeah, 3-0. Bold prediction there. 3-0 straight up. Watch. Just watch it happen. It's going to be... Um... You think Don Carlo's coming back to the bridge and he's not going to score? Don Carlo's a Don in his own land. It's that Everton's ground. It's not the bridge. Huh? So, oh, you're not the Everton. Oh, they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still 3 0, though. Still 3 0, though. Yeah. But, yo, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be 3 0, man. Yeah, I can just see it happening because uh, the very top form, you know, very good form, I think, for what we are. Um, and uh, considering that we've got a bench and we've got fully fit players now I can't think of a player who's injured at the moment but yeah we've got enough yeah. depth coming off yeah, injured. I had to say about my fans oh yeah sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry Ziyaki, you, yeah. got, you got one more injury as well Timo, Timo Werner he's playing like he's injured that goal on clearance that day can I just put something there first yeah Raheel Timo Werner reminds me of one of your strikers do you think oh, he's a German go. Scott Hogan? Here we go. He's a German Scott Hogan. He has to be, man. He's done that for know. us as well. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Birmingham City, right? He's your number nine. Shows how many games he goes to. <laughs> Even though he lives in Small Leaf. Oh, I don't know. It's going to be a good game, hopefully. I hope Hammers. Is Hammers there or is he injured? I'm not sure. No, he's playing. He played against Burnley that day. He played pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, he came he back. He was on the ball. He created a lot of chances. He was getting a lot of stick on talk sport, though. 
from Gabriel Bonlo, who I wasn't sure was. <laughs> yeah, That's so I think I think it should be. I think I'm going Chelsea three two. Chelsea look really good at the moment. Yeah, they're free scoring and Mendy's. It's going to be Mendy versus Calvert Lewin for me. If Calvert Lewin can get past Mendy, then it'll be quality. But I'm still going four one Chelsea again. What? If you would, oh. 4-1 Chelsea. I reckon they'll do it. Whoa. I reckon that, I think that's, that's how they're going to go because, again, it'll be that Mendy. He's not going to concede many. He hasn't conceded many since he's been there. And it's amazing to see like a proper old-fashioned type goalkeeper. I'm going to say 3-1 Chelsea. Um, Everton haven't been uh, up to the races recently. Um, but I think they'll get an early goal um, because of the atmosphere that their fans will create. It's their first home game since the fans have come back. So they'll get that early goal, but I think Chelsea will be too good for them. And um, they'll, they'll, they'll score three and they'll win 3-1. I think being back in the first team has been better for them, really. It's, it's been quality. Yeah, he, scored like, he scored five goals last week, didn't he? Or yeah. was it four? Four in the Champions what? League and one against... Was it one against Leeds? I might be wrong, but... I yeah, one against Leeds. Oh, am yeah. I the only one that thinks uh, Chelsea? Am I the only one that thinks Chelsea? Like Chelsea are not going to win because I'm predicting <laughs> a two-two. I'm predicting a two-two draw. Mm. It could be another one of those Liverpool Wolves one when we all look stupid after choosing. Ball. I think. I think. Don't get me wrong. I think uh, Chelsea's defense has been good, but I think it'd be a very open game. I think uh, obviously with everything getting their uh, players back, obviously from injury, I think it'd be a very good game. I think Hammers back as well. I good to um, but I think they'll create a lot of chances, possibly score some as well. I think yeah, that I'm if, you're, if your predictions, years. I think if your predictions all go wrong, then I think you should take Arif still with the title. Was that? Because all I know is you said if you're generous, United are losing three 0 So let's let's wait and see what happens on the weekend, and we'll see who the title should go to. Yeah, that's be that's being generous. Yeah, that's fine. So we'll see on the weekend how generous it is. Yeah, I mean, it depends if Boris Johnson turns up, but we'll see. <laughs> I think we're coming to the end of the podcast. I've just got one last question to ask all of you individually. Just take it in turns. Um, if you could go back to your 10-year-old self and describe to them about how racism is at this point in, in your life and how it will progress or regress going forward, what would you say and what could you do to warn them? As in, what what I would advise my ten year self, a ten year old self. Yeah. So if you had anything that no. from the next what ten fifteen years of you being alive, what could you teach that? Your- yeah. So, so what I would what the first thing I would advise a ten year old me is that no one is better than anyone. We are all the same. Um, obviously, people will have you know a, a more more skill than you. Um, they'll be better than you at certain things. But that doesn't mean that he's, he's, he's any different as in human sense. So treat everyone equally and treat how you want to be treated. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as well. Like the way I look at it, if I cut my hand now, um, it'll be red. The blood will be red. If you cut your hand, the blood will be red. We are all the same. So treat everyone with respect and treat everyone fairly. And um, yeah, like... Just if you see something or, you know, if you hear of something, just try to um, educate 
the people um, by pointing them into the right direction of where to go and get that education from racism and make sure they don't repeat that again. I think pretty much in terms of what you all have said so far, so obviously treat everybody equally. But one thing I'd like to say, one thing I'd probably say as well is if you do see someone racially abused or someone going through it, be there for them and uh, try to get them to open up because obviously, um, obviously be a person being racially abused, you don't know what it can do to them and obviously how it can affect their mental health as well. So I'd say yeah. obviously speak, speak, speak to them, try, try to get through to them as well, help them with whatever they're going through. It's obviously not a nice thing, and obviously, especially if you're going through it alone as well, it could uh, affect the person pretty much. So, yeah, I'd always say be mindful of all, of all the others around you. 100%. 100%. I think, I think everyone summed it up perfectly well, to be honest. I sort of reflect with all, all the views that have been put across, to be honest, like the fact that we're all equal at the end of the day. No one's sort of superior to anyone else. I think that's the most important thing. For me, what I'd like to say to my 10-year-old self, Again, just looking back and saying, you're going to be okay going forward. Don't take things to heart too often and don't get angry when people dislike you or treat you differently for the color of your skin. It may just be the one person that does it out of 50, 60 people that you know, but don't let that one person ruin your experience. Don't let them uh, not hold you down or push you back because it's just a cliche, but don't let them diminish what you are and you, you are who you are for a reason. You've got your own likes and your own dislikes. You've got your ways of thinking. They've got their ways of thinking. But educate them to, to say, we're all the same underneath. We wouldn't be treated any differently if we're all the same skin color because we're the same human race. End of the day, we all just want to get along and we all just want to be treated equally. So again, that's something I would say to my 10-year-old self. Thank you, everyone, for being on this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, we did say it was going to be a, a lighter December, but... Again, Saf was saying we could talk about racism for hours and it's affected quite a lot of people that we're surrounded with. So thank you very much, everyone. And we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Thank you. See you later, guys. Take care. See ya.